It's a delight to be here. This is our uh, home church, as was mentioned. My wife and I, uh, we, love our, we love our church. We love what God's doing here at Ellerslie, and we pray, and we see that the Lord's hand is here on our pastoral staff and on the ministry. And so Dave, before he left on vacation, he asked me to bring a message about mission and the BGC. So I'm going to try and do two things today. Uh, uh, tell you what the Word of God has to say about being on mission, but then secondly, tell you a little bit about our conference that uh, Ellerslie is a part of. Our church, this church, has always given strong support in prayer and participation and finances to our, our conference. You know, the BGC, we, uh, the Baptist General Conference, we exist only by the will and funding of our churches. And as I look out this morning, I see many people here uh, in the balcony on the main floor who have served in in key roles in our conference down through the years. Our church began in 1947, and right from the start, it was part of the Baptist General Conference. And uh, I see Ed over here and Selmer over here. These are two men that served in my role, my predecessors before me. Uh, I look out, I see uh, the Gamashes and uh, the... uh, uh, Bob Knickel was on our national board. Peter is now a new national board member. Art Maitland is on our stewardship committee. And so many of you have been involved in the BGC down through the years. So thank you, Ellerslie. You have really been a blessing to our conference and, uh, and the community uh, of the Baptist General Conference. So when Laura and I, when we attend here, we normally, in the, in the winter, we attend the early service. And sometimes we're involved in the worship team, and we love that. We love that our pastors preach the word of God. You know, they don't duck. They come to a hard passage, and they just deliver it to us straight, and they don't change. And I just love that they unpack the word of God for us uh, every Sunday. Now, being the executive director for Canada, we have uh, a number of churches that we are serving all across the country. I'm in my eighth year now in this role. I was for 35 years a pastor of a church just like this, and now eight years in, I'm the director of our denomination. We have 120 churches that go from uh, Vancouver Island all the way to Halifax. And most of our churches are in the West, though. That's where our immigrants that came, uh, our churches were founded. And and so that's kind of where our our locus is, is in the Western, four, four Western provinces. But I've been all over this country since March. I've been in seven provinces, preaching and teaching and um, all the big cities of our country, Montreal, Toronto, Halifax, all of our western cities. And I also get to some of the small towns too. Next Sunday, I'll be in Entwistle. The Sunday after that, I'll be in Killarney, Manitoba. So it's not just where the big cities are, but in everywhere we have a BGC church and we love to get together with our people and uh, just talk and share and talk to them about what God is doing. You might have heard about the denominational director, the the superintendent who heard about a church in his conference that was really doing well, this booming. People getting saved and baptized, churches growing. So he said, I need to go there and see what's going on. So he called the pastor up and he said, hey, I wanna come and speak at the church. And so they arranged the time and the Sunday came, the denominational leader showed up, he walked up and the place was half empty. And it was just a flat service. So afterwards, he said to the pastor, he said, hey, uh, surprised by what I saw this morning. Did you you advertise that I was coming? And the pastor said, no, but the word must have got out anyways. (laughs) So we find the great joy of of serving with our churches and being together with our people. And uh, the one thing that my job description says is to bring missional alignment to the BGC. And so 
When I began eight years ago, we were a great tribe of people, but kind of loosely confederated together. And so now I've been working hard and our districts have been working hard. I see Dennis sitting over here, our Alberta district minister. We all meet together, in a, and uh, weekly, uh, the district ministers and I meet together weekly on a Zoom call to discuss and pray matters for our conference. And it's very exciting. Uh, we bring a mission alignment to our seminary. I, I have the joy of serving as the president of our seminary as well. Our, our, our school is located in Langley, BC, on the campus of Trinity Western University. Um, Last year, we had just a wonderful year of ministry and, and uh, graduating people. We have so many of our BGC pastors who are taking classes in the seminary. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what the seminary mission is going to be doing in just a, in, as we go through the message. But yeah, we're, we're working hard and we're seeing alignment coming to our foundation, our seminary, our missions program. And it's just very, very encouraging. Our mission statement is that we want to build a network of churches who will make disciples, who live and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in locally and then in Canada nations. So Ellerslie, you're one of this network of our churches of 120 congregations all across the country. And this is what our dream is, is that our churches will be disciple makers, people who will live the gospel and then spread the gospel. And that's kind of what the message is about this morning. So the... Uh, the things that we're trying to do is we want to promote healthy churches and plant new churches. We're doing that all across the country. We're seeing new churches springing up. And we also want to reach the world with the gospel. We want to go and help national churches that are already in place around the world. And then we want to send more people from Canada to go and serve and to be part of that. So if you are thinking about missions and you're thinking about how you could serve, we invite you to consider uh, the Baptist General Conference. We recently held our national meeting in Niagara Falls, New York, and we had 100 delegates, 100 pastors and leaders from across the country come, and we had a great uh, meeting, and we focused on being firm, firm on, on, the, on the, the Word of God, and then focused on mission and ministry. And we just had a great, great time together. So now... Uh, we're in a series of Genesis, and so Dave said, don't, don't try to continue with Genesis, just take a break and just tell us about the BGC. But really, our series in Genesis that we're going through as a church really is so important to developing the Christian worldview. What we believe about the first 11 chapters of Genesis really sets us and helps us align us biblically with the worldview. Are those first 11 chapters of the Bible just a Hebrew legend about how the world began, or is it the inspired Word of God. As our pastors have been telling us over the last couple of Sundays, you know, God created a good world, but then sin came and it separated us from him. And since the fall, God has been calling people back to him. Last Sunday, Joel was preaching from Genesis 3 how after Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for them. Adam, where are you? And that has been the mission of God ever since the fall is to bring humans back to himself. If you're here this morning and you're not in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you, you may be coming to church, but you've not been born again. That call is coming to you this morning. Come back to God. And for all of us to be involved in the work of God. And so we believe so strongly in the word of God and our pastors annually have to sign this statement that you see on the screen behind me. That, you know, that they believe that this is the written, revealed word of God. You know, confidence in the Bible 
is always the top issue. We, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. But it's from the Bible that all of our information about God comes to us. And so we, we, we hold a high view of Scripture in the BGC and in Ellerslie. We, uh, as my pastor told me many years ago, he says, Kevin, I don't correct the Bible. The Bible corrects me. And I thought that's a good way to live. That I take the word of God and I uh, follow it and, and uh, try to obey it the best I can. In this time and we're living, uh, the, there's always this effort to rewrite the Bible. I, I read this week about somebody from, uh, is doing artificial intelligence to rewrite all the holy books of the world to make an acceptable religious book for everybody. Well, we believe that God's word, this Bible that you're holding in your app or on your lap or, or in your hand this morning, we believe that this is the very living word of God. Second Timothy says that all scripture is inspired by God. That inward inspired is not like Shakespeare was inspired to write his plays or the Beatles were inspired to write some good music. This word inspired means God breathed, theonoustos, God, theonoustos, breath. Scripture has the, the breath of God in it. Just as Pastor Rick was telling us a couple weeks ago how God made Adam and then breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. So the word of God has the breath of God on it. And that's why the Bible is different from all other books on the earth. It's got God's breath in it and it's living. Peter says, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active. So the Bible isn't everything that God knows, but it's everything that he wants us to know. It tells us how we began. It tells us who created us. It tells us why we're here. It gives us purpose for life. It tells us about our destiny after death, what's awaiting those who believe and those who chose not to believe. And so in this inspired word, there's a mission that God is calling all of us to. And because I have such a high view of scripture, because I believe that it is the word of God, when I read the mission of God, I say, how can I align myself so that I'm on mission with God? Maybe you're here this morning and you're drifting or floundering or looking for purpose or trying to figure out what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I hope this morning as we look at the word of God together that you will see, boy, there's something that I'm supposed to be doing. There's something that I can plug into here in my church at Ellerslie in the world with what God is doing all around the world. This last Monday, my wife and I, we went to St. Albert and Romeo Dallaire was there, the, the former United Nations general, Canadian general who was serving with the UN in Rwanda during that awful time of, of the genocide in the 1990s. And he wrote a book called Shake Hands with the Devil. And I read that book and I've always kind of followed his, his uh, writings and his career. And now he, was, he's a, he was, became a senator after he left the military. And now he's retired from the Senate and he's going around warning everybody about child soldiers. And he, this is his mission now. He is determined. He's going to do everything in his power because he saw it in Africa. He saw the horrors of it. And he is living the rest of his life. He told us that he's 77 years old. And he's giving the rest of his life, dedicating the rest of his life to try to stop child soldiers all around the world. He's on mission. And I, I loved his presentation. I loved what he was talking about. I've been to Rwanda. I've seen some of those horrible things that he was describing. <clears throat> but I thought as I was listening to him, well, I've got, I've, I'm also on a mission. Not this one. Not 
just this narrow one, I'm on a mission for the King of Kings. God has sent me out on a mission. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's got eternal value. And so because we love the word of God so much, we read it and we follow it and we obey it. The Great Commission says, go in the world and reach everybody with the gospel, baptize the converts, and then teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. We teach them not just an information dump on Sunday morning and our small group meetings, but the idea of teaching is so that people will obey and follow Jesus with their lives. John Wesley, the famous English preacher from the 1700s said, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, and how to land safe on that happy shore. God has condescended to teach me the way, and for this end he came from heaven, and he has written it down in a book. Oh, give me the book of God. And that's why we love the word of God, because in it, we find the way of salvation. We find the way of truth and happiness and how to have significance in this life and how to be right with God and have good relations with him and with all other people on the planet. And so we recognize that the world that we're living in, there's a lot of brokenness. People are lost and snarled up in their sins. They've been wounded by life's blows and, and the... Uh, the attack of the enemy that uh, was, was prayed this morning, that Satan blinds our eyes so that we cannot see the gospel. And so there's all of this pushing against and distracting people from God's mission. That's why we say that people, you know, naturally, we do not seek, we must be sought. We do not come to God, we must be brought. We don't know and so we must be taught. And this is the mission that we're on. This is the task of the church. And so where shall we do this? Shall we just run around in every direction doing as we think best? Well, no, the Lord told us in the New Testament, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so where we do this work is in, through and out of the church. And we serve in the church, recognizing that the church is, uh, is an alternative, alternative community showing Christ to the world. We're not like any other club or any other organization. We're on a mission. We've got a task to perform and a task to carry out to honor our Lord. And so being countercultural is not new to Christianity. New Testament Christians and churches remain true to the Lord in similar days as we're finding ourselves now. And the gospel of Christ does not require the acceptance of culture to thrive. And so we are not a collection of perfect people. Sitting amongst us this morning, you'll find mature, loving, committed followers of Christ. But there are also in the church skeptics and doubters and strugglers and people who are not living as they should. And all of us are on this journey together. And there can be some rough experiences in church life. Ellerslie, through its 75 plus years of history, there's been some highs and lows. Thank Lord, we're in, a, we're in an uptrend now in our church and we're so excited reading the annual report that came out uh, in, at the end of June and all the people getting baptized and the growth and it's very, very exciting time in our church. But Philip Yancey wrote, Laura and I read this many years ago. He said this, he's a Christian author. He grew up in a very legalistic church, very harsh, follow the rules. To be a good Christian, you had to follow all of these rules. And so he wrote, he says, I left the church because I found so little grace there. But then he said, I came back because I found it nowhere else. 
And in the world, uh, the church is serving. We're the light, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Our youth are just going out on a trip to do exactly that. And so one church can do many things, but when like-minded congregations associate together, more can be accomplished in missions, in seminary, in church planning. And our conference of churches is uh, doing just exactly that. We've we're got alignment, and it's so good to see that the, we're all rowing in the same direction. We have some great missionaries that are out of our office as well, and some of them are here from our church. And so we've been trying to get alignment on mission through our conference. And we're telling our churches, just like Ellerslie, don't stop what you're currently doing in missions, but there's one thing that we want all of us to participate in together. And this is what Dave asked me to share with you this morning. So let me uh, show you a map of a part of the world and this is where we have centered our mission work for right now. We've got all kinds of great men. We have 32 missionaries out doing all kinds of exciting things. And many of our BGC churches support them and are behind them. But here's one project that we're all wanting to get to work on together. So <clears throat> the House of Omid is our ministry, uh, House of Hope is our ministry in uh, Port Moody, BC. And before COVID, we started uh, doing ministry in this orange country right there, Armenia. Now, why did we start doing ministry in Armenia? Because the country right below Armenia is Iran. And inside Iran, uh, God is doing amazing things. When we hear about Iran on the news, we hear about you know, terrorism and supporting terrorism and trying to build a bomb and shooting down a plane full of Canadians a couple of years ago. We hear all the, the things that are happening that I, like that. But also what we don't hear is that the nation is going through a great spiritual awakening. And so many Iranians are coming to faith, but they're living under a government that does not allow for someone to convert their religion. If you change from the current state religion in that country, you can be fired from your job, you can be expelled from university, you can be arrested, put in prison, even put to death. And so, in spite of this oppression, still the gospel is spreading so rapidly throughout this region. So we've been called as a conference to start serving these house churches and these house church leaders. And so what are we trying to do? So before COVID, we were bringing people out of the southern country to the middle, orange one there in the middle, and we were training them in a, in a Christian camp. So here we were bringing in 60, 70 at a time. And you know, this is so thrilling for them because in their house church at home, they're just usually in groups of five or six people. And when they sing, they have to whisper because they don't want the neighbors to hear them whispering or singing. And so they, uh, they, they, they come up to Armenia and they're thrilled. They can sing and worship and talk and pray and they don't have to hide. In the house church, they come one or two at a time, you know, so they don't draw attention from the neighborhood. A lot of uh, people live in apartment buildings and so they'll just come at different entrances in different ways and gather quietly and worship and sing and then disperse one or two at a time. Here, before COVID, we were bringing them up, but then COVID came and we couldn't do these kind of meetings anymore. We couldn't travel, they couldn't travel, and everything was shut down. So what happened was we pivoted to a satellite TV ministry. And the Lord opened the door for us to have a program three times a week from satellite TV into this country. And we're broadcasting in their language and sharing the gospel. 
I was on that. Many other BGC pastors were teaching. Other missionaries were teaching. It was all translated into Farsi, and it was beamed down three times a week. And we got so much response from that that the satellite TV company says, hey, we, you, you're going to have to hire staff. We, we can't handle all these requests for Bibles and want to become a Christian. They want to know more about Jesus. So what we did is we went to... Uh, the city in uh, Yerevan, the capital city, and we bought a house. This was last summer. The BGC bought this house, and we tore it off the roof. You can see there the roof is torn off, and we completely gutted it. And there's our, our man there that's running the House of Omid in the blue shirt, in the, in the, in the short sleeve shirt there, Ahmed. What a great, I think we, Ellerslie, we support him here as well. And you got to Canada, and now he's so committed to helping his people grow and follow Christ. And he's one of our BGC missionaries. And so this is what we did last summer. Now this is what, I was just here last month, and there's three pictures together here on the slide. So you see the one on the right? That's the way we're finishing the, the floors right now. The other uh, floor is, needs to be finished. We can see the studs are up, but we've run out of money. We still need about $30,000 to finish the construction. And that's what it looks like from the outside. Now it's two floors, and there's a, you can see there's still a lot of, uh, yard work to do and a lot of landscaping needs to be done, but what's the idea behind this? Is so rather than having these big conferences like we had before COVID, we're gonna create this revolving stream of people coming out of the country, coming, staying with us for a week or so and then going back. And here's where we want to invite our BGC people to be part of this. We want you to come, we want Ellerslie to send people, we want all of our BGC churches to come and spend some time with these persecuted believers living in this house eating together, praying together, talking together. You come for a week, they come for a week. You come, if you can stay longer, great. There's gonna be more coming in and out, revolving through. And this is going to be our ministry that we're gonna be doing. And so <clears throat> here's where this country of the world is, that little black arrow in the midst of this Muslim sea of nations is this little tiny uh, Christian country where people can come and not be hiding, not be fearful, not be able, uh, the women love it, they can take off their headgear and, and just worship openly and freely. And, and so I was just here last month, I had three weeks of teaching there. Uh, the thirst for knowledge, for, because just imagine, they have, they have no way of, of being discipled. They, they just kind of meet together, four or five people, and they pray together, they love Jesus, but they don't have the teaching to help them grow. They don't have the ability to grow deeper in their faith. The leaders don't know what, how to teach because they themselves, every, almost everybody's a first generation Christian. There's no older Christians to talk to and say, how did you learn to pray? How did you overcome temptation? How, how did you have your marriage go this long? Uh, you know, the, and this is what we're asking our BGC people to do. So once the house is finished, completed, then the people are, the, the people are ready to come up and we're ready to send people in. So our seminary is going to be involved there as well because there's, there's a thirst for deeper theological training. There's a basic discipleship that's available to them all. You know, read your Bible, pray, uh, confess sin, walk with God. That's there. But they, the, the leaders don't have any further training. So our seminary is going to go. Our profs are going to travel. And we're going to go and teach in person, not on Zoom. And we want to pour into this 
not just the one country, but that whole region you see there, and invite people to host church networks from all of those nations to come and be involved. It's a very exciting mission and a very exciting vision. Why do we do this? Well, because we are on a mission of reconciliation in the BGC. We want to follow what the Lord said. And so someone asked the question, does the, does the church have a mission or does the mission have a church? And I think it's the second because the mission of reconciliation began before the church. Here God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, leave your country, go to the land I will show you. I'm gonna make of you a great nation. I'm gonna bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing. And from you is gonna come someone that's gonna be all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And of course that's Jesus. Jesus came from the line of Abraham. And so this mission of reconciliation began before the church. Back in the Old Testament, God is calling people back to himself. God put Israel in a place in the world where all the major trade caravan routes pass through. And so the knowledge of there's this people there who don't, they don't have idols. They don't have pagan shrines. They, they just have one God and they just worship what they call Yahweh, the one true God. And the message of Jehovah was to spread throughout the nations. Of course, our Lord came, and when he came, he told us that he was on mission too. In Luke 19, after that wonderful story of how he met Zacchaeus and, and called Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. I, I, I gotta go to your house today. I gotta, I gotta do, you, you're important to me. I, I, wanna, I wanna use you. And then when people were grumbling that he went to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus said, look, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's what Christ came for to seek and to save the lost. He then told us all, at the end of the Gospel of John, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He said that to those first group of disciples, and then that commission has passed down to all of us. We are on this mission of reconciliation. I remember the first time I heard this, I'm being sent by Lord? God is sending me to do something? I, I've got this, this huge task that's been committed to me? I remember thinking, I, I, how can I plug into this? I wanna, I wanna be part of this, what God is doing in the world. And so Paul writes to us and tells us that this is exactly what the church has been given. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Come back to God. The church is continuing on this message of reconciliation. The Lord died on the cross. He went back to heaven. He's waiting to come back in his second coming. And he's given us, when, in the time that he's, from his first coming to the second coming, he's given his people this job, this, this privilege of being his ambassador, of taking his message to people everywhere. And so we are, it says there in the text, God is making his appeal to the world through us. God doesn't use the angels. He doesn't use the internet. He doesn't use uh, any other means. He's using you. He wants to use you to make the appeal to other people to come back to God. Our motto for ERBC is look and see. This summer motto is look and see. Look around you. See people who need the Lord. And go for coffee with them. Invite them. Come to church with them. 
see the people around you. And this is exactly what the mission of God is, is to look and see the people around us. We are all on mission to a lost humanity. And so let me ask you as we close this morning, three, three questions. How, how can you decide and know if, you are on mission, if you're on mission with God? You know, something's wrong with your car, you take it to the shop and they plug it in and the diagnostic comes out and says, oh, you know, you need this repair and this repair. And, and, and so I'm gonna ask you three diagnostic questions this morning to see, and you can help you do a self-evaluation of this question, am I on mission? Am I on mission? First of all, I would say the first question to ask yourself is, what's on my prayer list? <clears throat> Who's on my prayer list? Do I'm, am I just praying for me and mine? You know, Lord, protect my family today while I'm at work and they're at school and, and uh, they're, you know, that's good to pray. Uh, that, nothing wrong with praying those prayers. But is that all that's on your prayer list? Are the nations on your prayer list? Is the unsaved people at your work on your prayer list? Your neighbors? People that are uh, lost, living right beside you. You know, everyone you see today, everyone you see for the rest of your life are in two groups, saved and lost. We, we divide people up all kinds of ways. We talk about their language, are they left-handed, right-handed. We, we talk about if they're male or female. But from the scriptural, from the, from the mission point of view, there's two people in the world, two groups of people, saved and lost. So the person at the checkout counter person that is uh, living next door to you, the neighbor, are they on your prayer list? What's on your prayer list? You know, Jesus gave just one prayer request in the Bible. Do you know what that is? Only one. He prayed about many things, and we can read about his prayers, but he prayed, he just gave one prayer request. It's in, he, it's in Matthew and also in Luke. He said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, Pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest. If Jesus was in our small group meeting and at the end of the Bible study, people said, okay, let's share prayer requests. And then Jesus put up his hand and said, I have one. Pray that the Lord will speak to people and send them out into mission, send them out into the harvest field. Well, you'd probably write that down. Well, he told us twice in the New Testament that that's something we should be praying for. Is what's on your prayer list? That'll help determine how you are on mission. The second thing is, how do I spend my money? You know, you, you've probably watched enough detective shows in your life that finally at some point in the show or in the movie, they're stuck, they don't know what to do, and then the, somebody says, well, let, let's just follow the money. We'll follow the money, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. And that's a good thing to help Analyze where we are on mission. When you look at your bank statement, you look at your credit card statement, what do you see? Do you see me, me, that, that me, more me, that's me also? Where on your bank, where on your credit card, where on your, your, your financial statement do you see mission, church, refugees, feeding the poor, caring for the newcomers? Where, where do you see mission on your bank statement? Jesus said in Luke 14, so when you have a banquet, don't just invite those that'll invite you back later. Like that's, you're just kind of trading. He said, invite the poor and the disadvantaged to your banquet. And if they can't repay you, you will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. That day when we stand in front of the Lord and give an account for our lives, for those of us who have given and served, if there's anything that's still owing, we'll be recompensed at that point. We'll be rewarded at that point. No one will outgive God. 
And so how do you spend your money? That's a good diagnostic question. And the last one is this, how do I use my time? Do you uh, use your time for things that are of eternal value? But do you have some hobby? Maybe it's a good thing. It's not a sinful thing. It's a, but the good things are not always the best things to use our time. To be on mission, we prioritize our life. What am I praying about? What am I giving to? How am I using my time? Can I give more time so that the work of God at my church can go forward? Can I pray? I, saw, I see we're starting a prayer ministry. So exciting. I saw the people praying this morning. You know, when you come to church, are you praying for God to move in that service? God, there's going to be people in my church today who need you. They, they're lost. They, they're struggling. They, they, they need a word from you today. God, is the, as we gather for worship, Lord, open the heavens and come down and, and, and work in our church this morning. See, are, are you on mission as you pray and as you use your time? We can spend all our time on, on you know, binging on a streaming series or doing some hobby that is maybe fun, but is it, and I'm not saying we'd never do those things, but how are you prioritizing your time for the kingdom of God? Somebody shared the gospel with you. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, someone at camp, a friend, who knows, someone at work. But that long line of the gospel that started at the cross, came to the apostles, came to the early church, was spread out throughout all the nations. That long thread of the gospel reached you. Don't let it stop with you. Don't let it end with you. We sang this morning a great song just before the message about letting Jesus be known and, and we love those kind of songs, but there's a personal call there for us as well to say, okay, I am going to be involved in this. Not somebody somewhere, please tell somebody about Jesus, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk. I'm going to invite. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to be on mission with the Lord. Someone is waiting to meet Jesus on the other side of our timidity, our fear, our reluctance to share. There's someone waiting to meet Jesus. You know, who would have thought Paul, Saul of Tarsus was going to get saved? I and mean, here's this persecutor, and all of a sudden, one message from the Lord, and he's saved. And there's people all around us who just need that one message for us to speak up and not be timid, not be shy, not be uh, just hiding our light under the bushel. And so, are you on mission? If you want someone to pray with you, you can do that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up right now, and we're going to close the service and, with a song. But if you want someone to pray with you, I'll be at the front. I, I'm glad to pray with people. If you're thinking about missions, thinking about how you can serve the Lord. But also, I'm going to, uh, uh, the prayer team is here. If you have some other need that God is speaking to your heart about this morning, we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful that you have called us. You have saved us. We heard your voice, Lord. We responded to the gospel message. And now, Lord, we want so much to connect with what you are doing in the world. Oh, Lord, how you love the world. You gave, your, you gave yourself on the cross for the world. And you sacrificed. And you gave yourself and died in our place and took our sins. And so now, Lord, we are compelled to be involved in this same mission that you gave your life for. And we pray, God, that this church 
and all of our BGC churches and all of our evangelical churches across Canada would get back on mission and be fully engaged. Lord, I pray you'll meet the need of each person that's here this morning, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I trust that you were challenged by those three questions, as I know I certainly was this morning. Um, As Kevin was talking, one of the things that came to my mind was how God chooses to use us um, (laughs) to do his work. You know, he's all powerful. We look at God and and he he can do whatever he wants, you know, Uh, but he chooses to use us to do his work. And when Kevin was sharing about, you know, just one, you know, who, who does God have for you on the other side of your timidity? And it made me think, you know, we, we're all sitting in here. We all have breath in our lungs. God has a plan and a purpose for us in his will to do his work. So that's you sitting here today. And I don't know what that is. And maybe even you don't know what that is. But God's not asking us to have the whole plan figured out. What he wants us to do is to hear his call, whatever that is, great or small, on our hearts and be faithful and obedient to him and respond. So maybe the call for you this morning is um, put someone else on your prayer list. Put your neighbor on your prayer list. Put a friend on your prayer list. Maybe maybe it's something just that simple and God will will plant that seed in there and will grow it. And you'll never, you know, we don't know what that's gonna turn into, but God does. Or maybe it's something big, like, hey, he wants you to go to this, this new house here, you know, that they're building Uh, Sorry, where was it again? Armenia, yeah, Armenia. And so maybe it's there. I don't know. But be be obedient to God and pray. Here's what God gave me to to share with you. Ephesians 3.20. And I was praying. I was saying, God, what what do you have for us this morning? He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We want to give glory to God with our lives, and we can do that as we're obedient to him. He's got a plan for us to be on mission for him, so let's do that. We have prayer teams here. If God's been nudging your heart this morning, we've got a few people here at the front, and you can come and pray with them or pray in your heart and ask God, what do you have next for me? All right, have a great week, everybody.